Phoenix Tales is a community celebrating everyday women overcoming extraordinary challenges in their lives, discovering the fire within and like the phoenix enduring the ashes to rise again. Each of you has a phoenix tale or a phoenix moment. As we create this community of women with grace and grit, share your own phoenix tale or your own phoenix moment on our website. We're honored to hear another story to welcome another phoenix. Today's guest, Coco Cohen, is a leading fitness professional in New York City. Hear her courageous story of selfless love as she recounts the heart-wrenching decision of giving her baby up for adoption. With brutal honesty and thoughtfulness, she reveals how this unthinkable decision was made, not for herself, but for her child. Please welcome Coco Cohen. Welcome, Coco, to Phoenix Tales. There's only one question I ask each interviewee, and the question is, has there been an event in your life, either personal or professional, that was challenging that might have reshaped the course of your life? Yes, definitely, as I think with everyone. I think the most pivotal moment in my life was, um, it was two events that happened around the same time. Well, within the span of three years, um, my mom passed away when I was 29 years old of cancer. My first child had just been born. And with that loss, and then the two years after that, I started to feel very strongly about my child having a sibling. And so my partner at the time and I decided to have another child. And then um, sometimes life events happen and things don't go the way you think. And then that relationship ended while I was pregnant with my second child. So the really pivotal event, my mom's loss being the first, but the second was when I decided after becoming a single mother and leaving my relationship, my daughter with uh, my ex-partner, that my second child would actually be better for being raised by someone else than myself. And so I decided to set aside my, my pride and my thoughts that I could do everything. And uh, my very close family friends and his wife couldn't have kids. And so they adopted her. That event, that choice that I made to do that, to, um, to think about the upbringing of my children and how their upbringing would be the best possible for each of them individually and not think about what I wanted or what my ability to like soldier through being a parent of this really weird situation that didn't occur the way it should have occurred. It changed me. It changed me completely. I became a different person that moment. Can you go back to, um, you said that your mom passed away from cancer. Can you tell us specifically what cancer? Um, She was diagnosed with osteosarcoma. Um, which is a very rare form of bone tissue cancer that um, usually only presents in children. Although lately in the last years, a lot more adults are being diagnosed with it, which is concerning, of course. Um, But yeah, it was aggressive from diagnosis to her passing. It was less than two years and uh, it happened really quick. So it was a lot to process. She lost her leg in the process. 
you said that you were pregnant. So were you pregnant right around her death or shortly thereafter? It was about two years after because my girls, my daughter and her sister are um, about three years apart. So I got pregnant about two years after she died with Piper's sister, my daughter's sister. Those two years are just an absolute blur to me. And there was one sort of, I just remember being, there's a strong connection between losing my mother and wanting my child to have a sibling and wanting to, wanting her to, to have someone. I'm Did an you, only child. Okay, so I was going to ask. I was like, right, right. I was going to ask, were you an only child? Because that clearly yeah. was important to you. Yes. Okay. And so you did not want that for your own child. No. Yeah. For either of them. I mean, the good thing about it is that they do have each other, even though they're not being raised by the same parent. They're full siblings and they know it and they love each other. And I hope in their adult years, they will continue to forge a a sibling relationship that is supportive and that when their parents start to get older, and they have lots of parents, <laughs> they have someone to turn to in the event of, God forbid, something like that, what happened to my mom, or just, you know, the ins and outs of aging parents, or just the ins and outs of being adults, and not always being able to go to your parents, or not wanting to, just having that sibling relationship that I missed it. I think I missed having a sibling relationship, even though I never knew what it was. And I really wanted that for my, my, my kids. So... Your father is still alive. Let's just clarify that, right? Okay. Okay. And then going back to that, and then is your ex-partner involved in both of your daughter's lives? No, just um, my first child's life. Okay. Um, And when you go back to that moment of making that decision, and I only ask this because one of the interviewees, an episode that's coming up pretty shortly, she's an adoptee. And, oh, wow. she talk, and she talks about her experience. And more importantly, she's a transnational adoptee and was able to find her birth parents. Her story of, you know, she'd had a lot of questions and then there was a lot of anger attached to what she found out. I think probably after she'd had her own kids that she hadn't thought about the heartbreak of her own mother of giving her yeah. up. Right. She was only thinking about her heartbreak of having been given up. So can you go back to that moment of making that decision of just the fortitude it took you to be able to make that decision? I actually remember making the choice to to choose adoption for my child. You know, she was always a wanted child. It wasn't like it was an accident. Literally, she was like created a science, you know? Um, right, because you are, you were two women and so you had donors right. and the whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, so the choice to have other parents raise her, it was like a progressive journey to the decision. And once the decision happened, I knew it was the absolute right thing to do. And it did take literally, like I wrote, I wrote a list. My mom used to write pro and cons for things that she couldn't make a decision about. So even though I felt like my decision was the right thing to do, I still made my pro and con list like my mother taught me. And everything on the pro list for having her adopted by this family versus the con list, all the cons were about me and my pride and my, you know, like I said earlier, like wanting to be able to do it all. And I can raise a kid on my own with this crazy situation where one of my kids will have two moms and one won't. And, and all the pros for her being raised by someone else was about her well-being and my other daughter's well-being 
you know, it was like probably the most selfless thing I've ever done to give her a family that could give her everything when I knew I was in a position where I wouldn't be able to give them both everything. And I'm lucky enough to know her uh, and have a relationship with her and my daughter to have a relationship with her. She knows where she came from. I've gotten to write her letters here and there. You know, I wrote her a letter the day she was born and I know her parents are showed it to her, which is a little scary, but also uh, really nice to know that she knows where she come from, comes from. I do think often about, as she's 12 years old now, you know, when will that anger hit? It has to at some point, or maybe it doesn't, but I think, I think everyone has to go through whatever they go through about where they came from. And if there's any questions, I've always said the door is open and I'll, I'll answer whatever she wants to know. You know, as long as her parents are okay with it, they're very open. I'm not deluded in thinking that everything will always be hunky-dory. It's been pretty hunky-dory up until now. And was it an open adoption? I mean, you oh, said yeah, that you knew... And you knew yeah. this couple. Yeah, they're family friends. And it all just happened sort of the way things should. I remember thinking about adoption and reaching out to a couple of adoption agencies to figure out well, what does one do when they're doing this. I was a 32-year-old woman. I wasn't a teenager you know, who got pregnant by accident. You know, it's definitely like not in the realm of my thought process up until the moment that it became such. And uh, I remember the adoption agency sending me like, packets of people who wanted to adopt children. I sat in my curtain by myself one night and I just went through all of them. And I was like, no, 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 I can't. Like, I couldn't wrap my head around my child going to a stranger. Like, my father and his wife, his new wife, um, had offered to take her for me. But they were older and they didn't, they didn't want a child to have a child. They wanted to help me. I wanted my children to have the best I could offer them. And that meant if it wasn't going to be me, it was going to be a family that I knew was going to want her, love her, give her everything that I couldn't. And as fate would have it, and I swear I'm not a big believer in anything, but in this moment, I feel like fate had hands because um, a family friend of mine, I had talked to a couple of people about what I was doing and a family friend of mine reached out and said, my brother, you know, my brother, he and his wife haven't been able to have a baby. Um, they've had several uh, adoption attempts that didn't work out. And if you are looking to, to do this, they'd be interested. And I already knew them. I already knew them. And I was like, have them call me. And everything from then on has been, I mean, it all just happened and it was so right. And it's always been right. I've never regretted my choice. And I know they haven't. And I don't think it's just been like the right thing. So it's really hard. I mean, I know that in the past, why adoptions were closed. So this person that I was referring to, she was adopted from Korea and the Korean government really worked hard to, as if these kids were just gone forever and records were not kept and so forth. But I know part of the philosophy of that was to enable the child to really bond with the adopted parents so that there was no, there was no confusion on the child's part of like, oh, but I have another mom because blah, blah, blah. So how have you guys been able to navigate that? Well, I think um, in this country now, in my opinion, and maybe this is just through my lens, but um, the idea of family is, is far different. And, and having one of my daughter's best friends, like she's always like, I have three moms. The idea of family is just very different. Um, but in terms of us, in terms of our sort of new normal kind of family, there was a, definitely the first two years where 
I know they were very solicitous. They sent me pictures and like they asked me if it was okay. Did I want to see them? It was just, you know, we did the work about communicating with each other about how to navigate everyone's feelings and boundaries so that everyone felt safe in this process of being. They were very into it being open and, and, and her knowing me. So the first two years I was at him and I was like, I don't think that we should meet or I think things should be very separate for a couple of years. Cause I think you do need that time, you know, right. someone under two, someone under three might not even be the concept of like, you know, they can't even wrap their brains around it. You don't even remember anything before three really. So I mean, the first time I, I met her after giving her to them was when she was two. My daughter was, was five. <laughs> I just met on the park and we had a meal together and wait, so I'm sorry. So the adopted, your adopted daughter was two or five. She was two. Okay. And then my daughter that I am am raising was five. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to make sure so the audience can keep up. Okay. So in Uh, that, in that moment of meeting her, can you describe what you felt? I mean, I would imagine there's, some amount of heartbreak, but also hopefully the realization that you had made the right decision. I think all the heartbreak came before. I definitely felt feelings like, um, I'm sure I cried, but it was like, she was mine. I felt she was so happy and vibrant and, you know, like fiery. And there's a lot of therapy and there's a lot of like processing. But when I saw her, I was actually joyful to see that, it's true, like she was having the life that I wanted for her, that I knew that if, if I had tried to do it, I, I would not have succeeded. I wouldn't have been able to give her this wonderful life. Everyone has trials and tribulations, but it's so blessed. I think some of that heartbreak came later, if not heartbreak, just the mixed feelings, the feelings of like the pain, you know, like, oh, this person's part of me and I love them because they're part of me and though it's not my job to raise them, now I still feel like I've contributed something to their existence and, you know, I get to see her grow up from afar and kind of see the parts that I've contributed and then parts that definitely are from her parents. And, you know, it is, it is, it's always a mixed bag of feelings, but um, usually the overarching and resounding feeling is just gratitude and love and happiness for her and her parents and something wonderful came out of something that could have been really terrible. I mean, how long were you able to have her before they came and got her? Two days. Oh, wow. And I kept her, I kept her with me. They, it's funny, the hospital is very strange about this stuff. I was very clear on, on what I wanted. and I needed. But the hospitals put you in a, something called an antipartum unit when they know that you're going to perceived an adoption and I had called her parents and I said, Hey, she's on the way. She's early, <laughs> like three weeks early. I understand that people may have really strong feelings around this. My strong feelings are I have two days. She needs a mother for the two days before they can come get her, you know, and I want to spend as much time as I can. So I kept having to ask them to bring her back to me. I held her and I, I couldn't nurse her, but I definitely like I fed her. I took those two days to like love her as much as I could um, before I sent her on her way. And so I'm imagining that relationships getting more complicated as she gets older. And so 
how are you navigating sort of this next phase? I mean, 12 and 13 and 14, I mean, these are terrible years, right? They're rough. <laughs> Especially they're rough. With this whole, what's going right. on in the world. Right. I mean, they're rough for every parent, but um, even, you know, sort of having that relationship from afar, how do you navigate that or how are you navigating that? I think it's my job to allow her and her parents to take the lead. I've always felt that way. It's a blessing to me that, that I get to be as involved as I am. And I know these are sensitive years where kids, I mean, my daughter's now 15. So meaning my daughter that I'm raising. Right. Uh, you've come out on the other side with your daughter. <laughs> well, I don't know about the other side. We're in, we're in the thick of it. However, <laughs> she's a great kid, but it's tricky times. And, and kids start to really think for themselves at about that 12 year old mark. And they start forming their own opinions of whatever, especially the things that affect them most. And I, I know that she's had questions over the years. Sometimes they, her parents share them with me, but I think my job is always to let her take the lead. And so if there's a little less communication in terms of like back and forth, or, I mean, we haven't been able to, we've visited over the years. We haven't been able to visit because of COVID and whatnot. So, but they've just definitely been like doing their life and, and she's doing all the things. I so impressive, the young lady that she's becoming. And uh, I'm just here. And that's the important thing is like, I feel like as a, as a birth parent, I'm just here with open arms. Should she want to have whatever relationship she wants to have with me going forward? If she doesn't, you know, that's, that is okay too. That'll probably be harder, but um, it's really important for them to take the lead because it's their life and their choice, their choices. Um, I made that choice and I knew all the repercussions that might come from it. And I still believe in the choice that I made. A thousand percent, but it's definitely um, my job to just be here and let her take the lead. How has it affected or has it not affected your relationship with your daughter? I mean, in a sense, you, I mean, so full circle, right? I feel like your story comes around full circle. Um, You purposely had wanted to have a second child, not to have an only child. And now you have an only child more or less, right? Things just don't always work out the way you want them to, but um. I think that, and I don't know if this is the only reason, but having a life that I have with this situation being one of the biggest choices I've made in my life, I think it's strengthened uh, my relationship with my daughter as we've grown. Because we're, she has two parents and she spends time with both of us. But when she, her and I have this, um, developed sort of this unflappable bond that comes from I think really honest communication. I try to make sure I don't overshare things with her that she's not ready for, but I tell her the truth. And when she was sort of ready to know the gist of, you know, why her sister has other parents, I give her because, you know, much information that she asks for, or I think that she can handle. If you make the choices that you make in your life, whether they're difficult, whatever those choices are, if you present them to a child, frankly, and without all the heavy trappings, even if it's a heavy decision, you know, if something good came out of it, then that's the focus. You know, life just happens and you make your choices. And kids, if you tell them it's a terrible thing or this horrible thing happened, they're going to think of something. Like if you tell a kid who has divorced parents, you're from a broken home. That's terrible. You know what I mean? So if you focus on normalizing and or making positive the elements of an experience or a choice that you could make positive, 
the child just is open to talking about it and open to asking questions and and, and taking the lead on fi- finding out what they need to know at their level about the effect it has on their life, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I guess the other question, I know that you have uh, said that you've prepared yourself for however your birth daughter will feel as she gets older. And I, I, I was assuming that this is the question that every adopted child will ask or wants to ask. And that question of why have you thought about that and how you would answer that question if she were to ask you point blank, like, why did you give me up? I actually, the day she was born, I read her letter and I told her why, because I didn't think she would see it until she was grown up. And she may not have seen the whole thing, but I know she's seen parts of it. Um, of course, I'll tell her one. I hope that it resonates with her and it makes sense. I'd like to think that kids who are happy in their life that are that are adopted, like my fingers are crossed that they have less, you know, wandering or longing. Um, the fact that she knows who I am and that I exist and that she has a sister, you know, makes any kind of like longing or to know less. You know, there's no shame in, in, in making a choice. My job was to protect my girls, and that's what I was doing. And I, whatever way she wants to hear it, I'll tell her any which way. You know, she can ask me a million questions, and I'm happy to tell her the story. It's not a comfortable story. It comes from tragedy and pain and something that broke. You know, my relationship with my ex was definitely part of the reason that it didn't. I think come to fruition, um, but I think it's important that they know anyone who's an adopted child. I mean, I don't know anybody, but at least for me, it's it, it's about loving them in a healthy way for them. Yeah, I mean, I always say that it, as a mother, it's unthinkable for me. So I know how much love it takes to be able to give that child up because of your understanding that you can't do as much, right? So I fully appreciate that. So in terms of your daughter and your relationship with her, I'm assuming that both pivotal, you know, inflection points, obviously losing your mother and then giving your second daughter up for adoption has informed you as a mother. And can you tell us in ways that it really has shaped you in terms of how you mother her or or how you view motherhood? from that standpoint? Losing my mother early. I mean, 29 is not that early, but it, it felt like it was so early. I didn't have, you know, Piper was, uh, my, my daughter was a baby when she died. And so I didn't get to know my mother as an adult. Cause I think once you have children and you've been an adult for a while, you're not like the kid anymore. You're another mother, you're another adult. And you're, I just always figured that we had more of a, you know, mother friend relationship sort of in that process. So I didn't really know my mother as the adult woman that she is. I knew her as my mom. Made me want my daughter to know me as a person um, Mm -hmm. and to make sure that I was a person outside of just being a mother. What you're describing is so compassionate and loving. And I mean, you sacrifice something so precious for somebody else's sake. But sometimes in our culture of well, currently now where everybody only seems to think about themselves, that 
perhaps others may not view what you did as being this incredibly, the most selfless thing that you could do. How have you sort of dealt with that if you've ever faced, you know, any sort of kind of criticism or people looking at you and saying, and then people asking you that question of why or how, how have you navigated that? I don't always delve into the details. So it's easier to just kind of gloss over things if you don't know. I know that when I was telling my friends initially what I had chosen, I was terrified. Most of them were like moms and families. Some of them were like heartbroken for me. Some of them were surprised. Some of them were like, I don't know how you could do it, but nobody ever criticized me. My sort of reluctance to share the story in its entirety over the years with people I don't know well has been my way of protecting myself from that just in case, especially knowing that I came from a place where, um, like you said, it was, it was a sacrifice for what I thought was the It was a selfless act. And um, I share with people only what they need to know until I get to know them. And how do you feel about the idea that once this podcast is released, I think it is seriously one of the most courageous stories I've had thus far. And I'm assuming that you're going to have a lot of people just responding to the selflessness of that act, right? And perhaps being able to see it through both sides with such compassion. If people can see the story from both sides, that they have to be able to feel both your pain, you know, of this act and the love that went into that. You thought about it for so much and you knew this was the right choice for you and the right choice for her, more importantly, that it is a selfless act. And any mother out there knows the thought of giving up your own child is unthinkable. So the ability to do that takes a whole lot of love and a whole lot of courage. So we're going to get to the very last question. So if you could uh, name one song that resonates with you or describes your life in some way, what would that song be? Well, it's definitely going to be a pink song because uh, anybody who knows me will know. <laughs> just feeling someone speaks for me. She just came out with a recent song called All I Know So Far. And I got to tell you, it's like an anthem. She's singing to her child and basically saying, life is hard. And if you can just let yourself, let your scars show and put your sword down and stop fighting it. The chorus lyric is, um, throw your head back and spit in the wind, you know, mm. like try to be carefree in a life that's really freaking hard. <laughs> um, and know that our life is ours to choose and um, darkness comes and goes and it's for you too. And, you know, nothing is forever. And so, and then she's like, that's all I know so far. And it, it it's a song to her children, and I swear I could be singing it to mine. That's so lovely. Thank you for doing this, Coco. This is, again, it is probably the most courageous story I've done thus far. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Phoenix Tales, a show about women overcoming challenges and like the Phoenix to be reborn, their lives reimagined. Make sure to tune in to our next episode to hear another inspired story. I am Yuliana Kim Grant. The show is edited by Podigy. Music is by Ryan Pruitt. 
It's like a dream, so let me never wake up. I was so hung up on myself, just like a stick in the mud. A little time, a little patience. When I got tired of waiting, then I found that gem within me sticking out of the mud. And they gon' ask me why I do it. I'ma say this because we gon' be the best on earth, just like we be out in rust. Pass behind me like a book bag, hanging down a coat rack, focused on the future, not that coulda, shoulda, would have. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave your comments on the platform where you get your podcasts. If you think you have a Phoenix tale, please send us a note on our Instagram and Facebook pages. If you just want to stay connected to Phoenix Tales, once again, you can go on to our Instagram and Facebook pages to get all the latest updates.